Hello, my name is Shireen Jordan and welcome to Tea and Tonic. This podcast is about giving my guests from all different creative industries the chance to tell us about how they got to where they are today, while we both sip a tea or perhaps something a bit stronger with a tonic. It's a chance for those affected by the impact of lockdown, the opportunity to chat, because talking is, as the saying goes, just the tonic. I hope you enjoy it with a beverage in hand. It's Friday, July the 24th, 2020, and my guest today is owner of Lindsay Reed School of Dance in Hampshire, Lindsay Shelley. Lindsay trained for three years at Lane Theatre Arts in Surrey, gaining a place when she was just 16. By the age of 21, she owned her own dance school for youngsters aged from three upwards, and will be celebrating her 26th anniversary at the helm in September. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Lindsay. Hello! Hi, how are you, Shereen? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? It's really good to talk to you. I'm really well, thank you, and enjoying sunshine. It's so lovely out there today. It's hot. Gorgeous, isn't it? Um, Lindsay, Mm. what have you got in that large glass? I have got, I'll give it a chink. Oh, it's not chinking. I have got a rather large... Pink gin and tonic today. Amazing. With lots of ice. Lots of ice. Well, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I have got um, a non-alcoholic um, gin and tonic. We'll do so, a cheers. Um, we'll do a cheers and a clink. I'm going to take you back now because um, you are trained in all forms of dance, ballet, tap, modern and jazz. Yep. And contemporary as well, I, I believe. Yes, yeah, I've done contemporary as well. I've done all sorts, yeah. So when you were at school, because you went to Lane Theatre Arts at such a young age, at 16, so was dance when you were a little girl, was it your everything? Yes, I mean, from what my mother tells me, when I was four, and I lived, I lived down on the south, south coast of England, so it's very, very quiet out in the country, and when I was four, my mother took me to see the local dance school show. And I think her name was Lucy. There was a big girl dancing, a big girl to me, <laughs> dancing on her toes. And I just said, Mummy, I want to do that. So off she sort of took me to this local little ballet group um, with the most beautiful teacher, Gloria Coleman, who was one of the original Bluebell dancers. And in um, I went to ballet class. And I actually think, if I remember rightly, it was the Russian method of ballet. <laughs> so there I was at four years old in this, vile nylon aqua green um sort of unitard skirt on which I've still got and awful leather ballet shoes with very very hard soles um and the more I went the more I enjoyed it and I never really thought about it I just did it and that just became what I did um and as I got older I think as you know I moved over to Julia Chittenden's when I was about 10 into Southampton which was an awful strain for my mother because, of course, I had to come out of school. She had to take me to Southampton. She'd auditioned me. She sent me off for an audition at the Royal Ballet School when I was, now let me think, I'd have been not quite 11. And mum and dad sort of went, oh, we'll let her go and try because she'll probably not get anywhere, you know, sort of thinking, oh, it's just a little hobby. And I got through to the final auditions, (laughs) which at that point my parents actually sat me down and said, look, this could mean you leaving home and going away to White Lodge. Um, how do you feel about that? And I was like, yeah, great. Let's um, just, you know, I was just one of those kids that's like, yeah, let's just do it. I didn't, didn't really think of the consequences of leaving home. Or, <laughs> um, but I didn't get through the very final audition. Um, and at that point, Julia had said to me, look, you really should train in tap, modern, jazz, and absolutely right 
right thing to do because it's so hard to um, get a job as a ballet dancer, even if you've trained through the Royal Ballet School or somewhere like that. It's so few jobs. Um, so it was the right thing to do is to, is to actually train in everything so that I stood a better chance as I got older. So um, so if you yeah. were auditioning for the Royal Ballet School at 10, 11, you knew then that this was the path you wanted to follow professionally? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. It was, um, I suppose, by the age of probably seven or eight, I would say, you know, I, I just wanted to go all the time. That's all I wanted to do. And I'd be at home. I mean, this is, you have to remember, this is a long time ago now. Children nowadays have their own bar, their own studio. <laughs> I had a chair in our lounge um, where I was told with tap I had to go outside and practice. <laughs> it was so noisy. But straight from that age, it was like, yeah, I, I just loved doing it. Wow. And I don't know that I really considered a career until Julia sent me for that audition at the Royal Ballet School. And again, I just sort of bumbled in, yeah, this will be amazing. And of course, my parents sort of had to sit me down and say, you know what this means, don't you? If you, <laughs> if you actually get in, you'd have to leave home. And I suppose that's when I really, really thought about it seriously, because I had to. And it was just, yeah, I'm all right with that. Let's, let's just do this. Um, so, you know, I didn't get into the Royal Ballet School, but that was probably the right thing for me um, and carried on my training. But yeah, from there on it was just I danced nearly every night of the week I think it was from all my senior school time was every night and Saturdays and I just loved it absolutely loved it and so yes I went to school and when they said you know career options what would you like to be I said dancer they just said don't be silly darling (laughs) because back then it was just the way you know don't be ridiculous Mm -hmm. you know it's um, like saying I want to be famous isn't it Mm -hmm. you know you need to take some more academic subjects and I wasn't interested so that was that, really. I just decided I was doing it and and did it. To audition for the Royal Ballet School, you have to be really good. Now, for those that don't know, Julia Chittenden had her School of Dance in Southampton for decades and was really, you know, renowned as a ballet mistress in the South. And so for her to look at you, Lindsay, as your teacher then and say, yes, this girl needs to audition. Wow, that was that was huge. A, a, a massive kind of accolade for you. Well, you know, it, it was, but Julia had this wonderful way of um, something that I'm never sure I've mastered completely as a teacher, but she had this wonderful way of letting you know that she thought you had talent, but at the same time, absolutely had you glued to the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a wonderful way of doing that. And like you say, great fondness. And I think we all were. She was nearly like a second mum, but not so much in a mumsy way, mm-hmm. just someone who absolute respect and mm. but yeah so you know when she said oh we'd like you to audition you know off to the royal ballet school I was just beside myself and um but yeah she also had a way of keeping your feet firmly on the floor you know no matter what you do it's back down to reality and get back in the classroom and hard work and but she had that wonderful way of doing that without saying too much and you're still good friends with friends her Lindsay her. aren't you now oh absolutely absolutely I actually call her Julia now <laughs> I called her Miss Chittenden for, my goodness, for years. If, if she listens to this, she'll be in hysterics because even when I came home and I taught for her in her school, I just couldn't bring myself to call her Julia. And she would always sign a Christmas card, Julia. I just can't do it. I'm not sure. I think I must have been in my 30s. By the time. Even now when I see her, I'm tempted to curtsy. And just like, 
but it, it is just that respect but yeah she, I mean now we have lunch at least once once a year at the very minimal mm. um and I just love seeing her and she doesn't teach anymore, but she has so she's so interesting. I went yeah. for years thinking that she was related to royalty. <laughs> <laughs> so at sixteen, you auditioned for Lane oh. Theatre Arts, and you got a place. I was absolutely amazed. I mean, I did quite a few auditions. Um, I mean, back then I, there weren't that many colleges to audition for I mean nowadays there's all you know there's a college in every sort of town um but back then I think we had five or six to choose from um and I didn't really know which one I wanted so I just auditioned for all of them to be on the safe side like you do and I walked into Lane Theatre Arts and I just knew I knew that was the college for me um and they invited me back for a second audition um and it was the last one I did actually it was the last audition I actually took and uh, when they offered me a place, I, you can imagine I was just, you know, I was very, very lucky. I was offered a place at London Studio Centre as well, which was my wow. first audition. Um, and I paid to hold my place. But in my heart, I knew I wanted to go to Lanes. And uh, yeah, when they offered me a place, I was literally beside myself. You were then on a three-year professional theatre course, studying yes. all aspects of dance, which meant living away from home. Yes. <laughs> off I went at 16 years old um you know I stayed with a landlady for the first year they sort of place you with a landlady and another student called Daphne who was from Kenya actually and yeah I mean again I just you know you sort of look back now and I, I know from teaching myself now when you've got these 16 year olds and the parents are, oh, she can't leave home at 16 you know at least 18 or 19 and when I look back, my poor parents, they must have just been beside themselves with worry, but never really showed it. They just sort of, you know, they were really, really good at just encouraging us. And sort of, they never looked that fearful, not like noticed. But again, I didn't really think I was just, let's go, let's go do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't wait. And I got up there and, uh, yeah, the ripe old age of 16. <laughs> and what, what was it like? Was it really tough? Was it like the tense strict routines and that we see often on you know reality tv i think you've got to go careful when you talk about reality tv because um i know they have done the odd show where they talk about training and it's nothing like that um tough absolutely um i remember my first day i was nervous then really nervous uh walking into college on my first day as a first year um, the nice thing is, of course, everybody else is still a first year, so you're all in it together. Nobody knows anyone. And I, 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 I remember it to this day. I'll never forget going into the big studio, the Studio Theatre of Lane Theatre Arts, on my first day, and we were all sat down on the floor, and Miss Lane came in to give us our sort of welcome chat, <laughs> if you want to call it that. And I remember her saying quite a few things, but the one that stood out in my mind is that everything seemed so strict like it was going to be so hard exciting but terrifying and I always remember towards the end of uh, her little speech she did she said the most important thing kids she said is uh in this life take what you do very seriously but never take yourself too seriously and never a true word spoken I mean you know for this sort of industry absolutely it's going to be hard work absolutely it's going to be tough there's going to be days you, you just don't think you can do it but uh you know, never take yourself too seriously because they could be asking you to yap like a dog in your first show. So. <laughs> yeah. Very wise words, very wise words. 
Um, but yeah, tough. Was it quite a grueling schedule of dance? Because, you know, obviously dance is physical, you're using your body. I, I'm imagining you were put through your paces. Oh, absolutely. And I was actually, again, things have changed over the years in these colleges. But back then, you know, there wasn't necessarily a degree or anything attached to the end of it. Um, and I was on the dancer course. I'm no singer. I can hold a tune, but just about. So my my whole timetable was really scheduled around dance. Um, I was very lucky that Julia had got me through my, oh, what would have been intermediate is now called Advance One, through my ballet and modern exams before I went. So I went straight into like free work training with the third years in ballet class. And the schedule was just grueling. I mean, it's nine o'clock ballet. Most classes are an hour and a half. Um, I remember my first timetable, seeing that my lesson finished at 10.29 and my second lesson would start at 10.31. <laughs> Literally two minutes to get from one studio to another. Um, not always a break, you know, because which when you think of theatre life, sometimes you just can't. Again, things have changed over the years, but back then you just got on with it. But yeah, I mean, nine o'clock starts every morning, five, six o'clock finish. And sometimes with really not much of a break in between anything. So, and, you know, she always said you have to turn up with your hair done, your makeup on. And of course, by 9.30, it's running off your face. You just think, why have I bothered? But yeah, I mean, the first few weeks was something I, I couldn't even possibly explain. Wow. I, I remember just getting out of bed thinking, I can't even get down the stairs, let alone do a class. Wow. <laughs> and it's something I pass on to my students now who go away. Is you really do have no idea what hard work is mm -hmm. until you get there. So, yeah, it is really tough. It's really grueling. Uh, quite a few don't, they don't stick it, you know, by the first half term. I think a third, maybe a third of our year group had gone home. That was that. They were done. Um, but if you love it, and I know this sounds very, very strange, and but if you really, really love it, the hard work is fun. Mm -hmm. And it's it's nearly, it's a little bit twisted. Actually. <laughs> it's a little twisted that you actually get pleasure out of working your body to that degree mm -hmm. until you literally can't move anymore. And... Uh, you probably remember this, Shireen. I have a famous saying with my students. When you think you can do no more, you can. <laughs> and it's amazing what you can do. People talk about the pain barrier. I'm not so sure it's a pain barrier. It's, it's just having the courage. Because, you know, I think of it now and I put it different ways. <laughs> if there was a lion chasing you up the road, you'd run no matter how tired you were. And it's surprising what we've all got in us. Mm -hmm. It's um, learning to get people to really excel themselves to that degree. But Heather, you can always do more. Mm. And sometimes, <laughs> you can always do more. sometimes it's, the, it's that mental strength as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. In fact, the whole, this whole thing, the whole industry, whether it, it's younger children, older children, students, whether you're performing professionally, much of it is the, is the mental ability to, to deal with it. Because physically, we're all capable of nearly anything we want to do, really. Our bodies will actually, they'll undergo a huge amount of exercise stress. You know, it's the same as the army training. The body will do it. The You'll know when your body won't, mm. <laughs> because you will be in a heap. <laughs> you mentioned being fast-tracked, if you like, by Julia. And yes. just to let people know, you were doing the level of ballet at 10 or 11 that really... 16 17 18 year olds were doing yes I, I you know I was certainly with classical ballet it was definitely my thing 
Um, and I, I was the youngest in my class. And Julia did, yeah, she pushed me, really pushed me. But I just, you know, I just loved learning. I didn't, I never found ballet particularly difficult to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not I could do it that well was kind of besides the point. But I, it, it just came naturally to me, the whole turnout thing, where everything got placed. And I was quite lucky. I, I, you know, I was blessed with blessed with fairly good turnout and nice feet. And and so, I, you know, I teach some children now who really struggle if they've not got any turnout in the hips or, you know, they're really unsupple. And not that your legs need to go high, but it's easier if they move. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found ballet very, very easy to pick up. It came very naturally to me. Um, so, yeah, she really, really, she pushed. I think I went there at 10. Now, I know by 11, I did my, oh, again, back then it was the pre-elementary. It's now called Interfoundation, which was RAD, which was the Royal Academy um, of Dance Syllabus. Um, and I took that, yeah, at the age of 11. And so somehow she got me through the ISTD grades, like three, four and five, sort of the year before, <laughs> before that and sort of during the same time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I, you know, I, I have a lot to be grateful for because then she put me through my intermediate uh, I must have been 13 and then to take my advanced one at 15 um, which to you Shireen you would remember that as intermediate yeah um, but there is only one more and and so yeah she did push me but I'm so glad she did um, when you go off to professional college if you're not at that level you spend your first year taking those exams right and so I, I it was great to have those under my belt to be able to go away and then everything was free work which was just awesome yeah. how <laughs> unusual is it now for a 10 or 11 year old to be on point be doing point work in ballet as a teacher I don't put the children into point shoes anywhere near that young um th- really the recommendation is 13 <laughs> unless they're going to go off to ballet school or something like that then there is no need to wreck the feet <laughs> um and before that age really the bones are still quite soft And there's no getting around the fact you are literally putting your body weight onto the ends of your toes. Mm. Um, So I like to wait till they're 13, but 13 just doesn't mean to say we can all have point shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, it really depends on the strength of their feet, their ankles, their legs, their turnout. Um, And some some children never get into point shoes. You know, some children have just got not the right shaped foot and it's never going to work for them. And so I really sort of encourage certainly the children in my dance school it's not the end of the world. You know, wait till you're ready. Wait till you're really ready. Um, and if that's not 13, it might be 14 or 15, but it doesn't matter. Um, it's better to do it and actually achieve the goal of getting onto the end of their toes, which is quite a mammoth task. And I'm a real stickler for old school. I still make them darn their first pair. Of course, nowadays you get the little sticky things that go on the ends. You do your three-year at Lane Theatre Arts. And then what was the next plan for you after that? Was it auditioning for shows? What was the plan? Well, to be honest, I mean, I took my teacher's exams at Lanes and one of my ballet teachers, the dear Alexandra Barnes, had actually said to me, I think you'd make a lovely teacher, Lindsay. And I'd never, I kind of knew I'd have it as a backup, like when I finished my career, but didn't really intend on getting into it that quickly. Um, But when I came out of Lanes, I actually came home um, when I left college, I couldn't afford to stay in London and get, you know, I had no money. Um, and Julia had said, look, until you find something you can teach here. So I came home and sort of did a bit for Julia. And then I found myself teaching a bit of this and that, you know, sort of in the old hall. 
And uh, I had an adult tap class. So I sort of did a bit of this and that and my own classes. Um, I was offered a job out in Greece dancing. Um, just on the, I mean, Lane Theatre Arts has just got such a, such a wonderful name. The training is, mm. is, you know, second to none. Sadly, on the phone, when she found out how tall I wasn't, um, that was a no-go. And I knew I was always going to struggle because I'm, I'm not very tall. And if I'm really honest, I didn't want to dance on a cruise ship. I didn't want... I wanted to be a ballerina, but I knew by the age of 11 that I wasn't going to be a ballerina, um, you know, because I'm not blessed with, it, you know, everything else that's needed. And it's just so hard to get a job there. So I came home, I was quite happy doing this bit of teaching. And then uh, an old friend of mine, Sandy Beck, had said to me, Lindsay, look, I'm giving up my my school at sort of in Dibden at Applemore, um, where I now teach. She said, because I'm going to have a studio on the side of my house. Um, and there was about 20, I don't know, 15 or 20 children left at Applemore. And she said, would you like to take it on? I said, I'd love to. And that was really the start of all of it. And uh, from there, I'm not even really sure how it happened. It just grew and more children came and it grew and more children came. And, you know, so I had to learn to do the admin, you know, all, all the things that you never really think about. But what I learned over, you know, the next 10 years from doing that is that actually that was what I love. And I still do. Te uh, teach, uh, it's just, it's in me. And uh, that was definitely my niche um, was teaching. And, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. So actually, you're <laughs> at this point, really young. And you've got your own dance school, your own business. Absolutely. By 21. Um, and that was quite challenging, actually, because, of course, you're teaching children and when the parents are generally older than you are, and then you're trying to come, I mean, you remember Julia, I thought, every, yes, Miss Chittenden. <laughs> and when you're trying to pull that off at 20, mm. um, yeah, that, that was challenging. It got easier as I got older, um, because then the parents started to actually be younger <laughs> than me. But yeah, it was challenging. But I think where I built it up from such a small amount of students, like with the admin and the planning, it started small. So... You know, you can't get into it over, you know, you realise over the years what else needs to be done. And Julia was just a fantastic mentor. Um, I really based what I did um, on how she did things. You know, I could see her methodical ways. Like, okay, do it like that, do it like that. Um, and I remember my first show, what year? 96? The first school production I'd ever put on. It was horrendous. It was awful. <laughs> what what it was, was it? It was Cinderella. We did how Julia used to do it. I did ballet for the first half, which was Cinderella, and West End musical bits and pieces for the second half. It was in our local school. Um, oh, we got there, and there was the back wall was just awful. I just remember the back wall of this stage being awful. So at the last minute, I bought bed sheets, sewed them together. We made our own backdrops. We took our own sound system. We did our own lighting. Um, and it would, yeah, I mean, I look back, I just can't even watch it. It was awful. <laughs> oh. I felt sick. I'm just horrendous. But over the years, and then the school grew, and then you could afford a theatre. I was listening to Michael Rose earlier, one of your previous podcasts. Mm. And um, he's right, like with the theatres, you know, that I remember when I first got to the point at Eastleigh, proper theatre just made life so much easier. You know, you're not there trying to rig lights or rig up a sound system, but... So, yeah, you just learn and, yeah, you wing it. <laughs> the curtain goes up and you think of all these awful things that can happen. And I think they probably have over the years. 
I think I remember the, <laughs> the, am- the amplifier overheated at the first show. It's everything that you stay awake at night for. But when it happens, you think, okay. So you go out and you tell the audience, look, you know, get a drink, have a break. Yeah. And, but, and you just deal with it. But your dance school now has almost 200 students. I mean, you've had over 200 students in the past. Yeah. So it's yeah. grown and grown and got bigger and bigger and bigger. Is it every year, every other year you put on a, a school production? I actually do my own school production every three years now. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I find it so hard to train the kids, get them through exams, the ones that want to go off as well. So I try to do it every three years, but then I spend a good sort of two terms on it and really go for it. Um, and I, I love doing I love doing the shows. It's so much fun. It's excruciatingly tire, tiring and... I sit at home, my house looks like a living dressing room from the theatre and tie-dyeing at three o'clock in the morning and I was coming up with these ridiculously challenging things that I want my husband to make or I think we had balloons at the last show. I've been banned from balloons. I've been banned from balloons and tie-dyeing over the years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love doing it, but it's a big, a big task. You know, when when it's literally every costume, every bit of choreography... I mean, it's much easier in a theatre, but then you've got theatre costs, of course, mm-hmm. and um, trying to instruct what you want. And especially when you're working with children. Um, <laughs> sorry, Shireen. I'm sure you were probably in one of my dances. <laughs> one. But you, you go home and you, you have these like, wonderful moments of inspiration and, yep, that will look fabulous and it's all in your head. And you go in and teach it to that class and you just think, it's not quite what I imagined. You have to remember their children. And the most important thing is that they're out there and they're doing it. And yeah. I think to see a three-year-old go on a stage with no adults, no older dancers, there's a little group, and actually pull off a dance and get off the stage, it's really quite amazing what children can do when you when you give them that challenge. Because it's also making memories, isn't it, for kids <laughs> that they're going to take with them through life forever. I've still got... My mum's still got the picture of me as a mouse in one of Julia's productions. This is back in the 80s, you know. Um, and I think I was a horse in one of them. And I've still got the picture of the dress. And you I know, think I remember that. And then there was like a kind of um, like a party scene in one. It might have been at the Southampton Guild Hall. And we all had these orange polka dot outfits. But you remember all of those things that dot through your childhood. And I think... Dance can play such a big part in a young person's absolutely confidence and creativity. Absolutely, and certainly, I'm. Um, I mean, obviously, with this year, you know, it it's been tough because it's not until you've taught for so many years, and then you get, you know, they come back when they're old, a bit like you, Shireen. They come back and they chat to you, or they they give you a card. And even those, and most don't. Most just do it for fun. But even those that just do it as a hobby. It's a huge, huge part of their their childhood, um, and it's so good for them. That discipline of you know actually having to remember their uniform and put their hair up, and but that you find that these these kids they have a completely different set of friends from school. Mm. Um, and I really, you know, I know with myself, it gave me a huge, really good grounding for pretty much anything. I remember when Michael Rose first came to the Mayflower. And I had to have a meeting with David Morgan, his partner, um, for the production company. I remember just being terrified. I've never gone in and tried to pull off, like, getting a contract for a pantomime, ever. But I think, actually, all that that training of just 
putting on a face and winging it and getting your way through it. And I think a lot of it as well is you learn that what's the worst that can really happen? Mm. You actually, you, you get quite realistic, I think, when you learn to dance. And it just gives you that sort of solid grounding where you can kind of turn yourself, you can, any situation, you can kind of just get past it. You can handle it. Mm. And it gave me, yeah, I think all these kids, um, if they can get out there and do anything like this, but certainly certainly dance, drama, anything like that, certainly creative. Dance uses a different part of your brain to the Absolutely. brain that you use for schoolwork. And mm. I remember, you know, I was never going to um, pursue dance as a professional career, but I loved it. And I was doing, you know, ballet, tap, modern and jazz. And it just took me away from the day of school. It boosted my endorphins. And actually, when I stopped dancing at 15 because of my GCSEs, I think it definitely had an effect on me and my overall well-being and how I felt because I wasn't doing this discipline that I'd done since I was four. I would agree. I mean, uh, and again, as, as disciplined as class is, um, and I, I know even even now, and like you've just said, and nowadays it's getting ever more academic and more papers and more exams at every age as well, right down to these eight and nine-year-olds, to come in and just let it all out. I think there's something about not talking as well. When you come into like a ballet class, there is something about not actually having to talk to anyone, but just <laughs> you just immerse yourself in the music and you can really, I think the teenagers, I know myself as a teenager, I'm not sure if I'd have coped with life without, without that escapism. And um, it's a, a different yeah. form of expression, isn't it? So if you're perhaps yeah, not very articulate when you're younger or you're bottling things up, you can express yourself through dance. Absolutely. And, and, and I would say even as a teacher, even now, it doesn't matter what's happened in the day. It doesn't matter what mood I'm in. I go to class and by the time I've done half an hour, it doesn't matter. It's like it's all gone. Mm. And it just, it's that, that amazing release of any worries or stress. You can literally lo- lose yourself in it. Mm. And, um, and I, I certainly think for children today, um, all ages, that that's the bit that really, really, that they cling on to. Um, and I know when we went down on lockdown, I think the school's locked down on the Wednesday, and I still had classes. And uh, the leisure centre where I teach were, were fabulous, actually. They let just us in for a week. Um, and it was only us in there. There was no other uh, sort of general public. And they were just so grateful, these children. So thank you so much for running the classes. Because by then, school had been cancelled. GCSEs had been cancelled. Year six leavers parties had been cancelled. Mm. Everything was just falling apart. And for them to be able to come in and just let it all out. We had a huge jazz class and a ballet class. They were just so, so grateful. And I'll be honest, it was the last night I taught when, of course, Boris Johnson came on the TV at six o'clock, whatever it was, five o'clock, and said, no, everything has to close. Um, it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating having to tell these kids that, you know, the whole week things have been cancelled and now I'm going to cancel you as well, you know. And they were they were devastated. And frankly, so was I. Mm. Um Really, really tough. Really tough. Yeah. Lindsay, we'll we'll come back to that in a moment. I just want to go back to the point where you mentioned Michael Rose and you went for that interview for the Panto contract, (laughs) which you got. Yes. And so for those that don't know, you have been since Julia Chittenden stopped having the contract for the Mayflower because she retired 
it's yes. been your baby now. It has. It has. It was, um, it's funny actually because the first time I really handled it on my own, I used to assist Julia. It was the year, now I don't know if you remember, the BBC did a production about, all about pantomimes years ago. And Lionel Blair was doing, now let me think, it was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And I remember I turned up to company rehearsals on the Monday, as you well know, and Julia Chittenden never, never appeared. And it turned out she was poorly. So talk about land me right in the deep end. First time ever. I'm in a company rehearsal with Lionel Blair. I'm um, this bunch of kids thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> absolutely terrified. But what good training. So by a few years later, by the time we got around to David and Michael coming uh, to Southampton, um, they got hold of me, said, look, we've got your name from the Mayflower Theatre, passed on via Julia. And I did. I, I was terrified and absolutely terrified. I remember going for this meeting in the Mayflower offices and just, I can't remember, I bambled my way through it. And David said, well, we, you know, we'd love to use you. And I remember them coming to my dance school and then setting the routines. And I don't know if you remember this, it was Santa Claus. Santa Claus Panto and, yes. oh no, the musical. Santa, Santa Claus, Claus the musical. The musical. Mm-hmm. And of course, the children, they were penguins. They were had life-size penguin costumes on. They were cupcakes. But these penguin things had these huge slipper feet. And fabulous choreographer they got in, Gillian Gregory. But she came in and set this... Tap's not my thing. Can we just say that? Tap is not my thing. She came in and set these tap routines. Well, my goodness. I remember just feeling sick, thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to get these kids doing this tap routine? That I'm struggling with penguin costumes and penguin feet and everything else. I was just terrified. And I I still don't know to this day how we pulled it off, but you know what? What an amazing show. Um, The children were amazing. Michael and David were so hands-on. You know, they came to the studio to see the children. They were thrilled with it, you know. And that was it. I was away. And just from there on, just, you know, I built a great relationship with um, Michael Rose and David Morgan, who you know yourself. I mean, wonderful people to work with, Um, especially when it comes to the children. They were so good. Uh, Really took an interest in the children. I played Frosty um, one night in that show. I I think you did. That was my was my moment. I think a huge snowman costume. What was it with them and the big costumes? Yeah, they were lavish, weren't they? Oh, they really were. Mm. They really. Were. I mean, they looked amazing. Mm, they did. But um, but yeah, I mean, the costumes and the things that those children doing. But the children again, they do it. Yeah, they just and do it. and also let's remember they're young. I did four, and I was eight, nine, ten, and eleven. Yeah, you know yeah. that is young to be doing approximately around 48 shows every other night yeah it's a lot for a kid to do I mean it's the most amazing experience but I I think this is it as well I mean even now again as a teacher I see it all so differently because of course I I did the one show when I'm it wasn't even the Mayflower then it was the Gaumont Theatre years and years ago but you know it's all you say oh she's only eight years old they'll never manage but they do Mm. and I think um we don't give the children enough credit nowadays we worry about this and we worry about them being tired and actually we all know yourself the children they can't get enough no they just love it yeah um you know they pray for their opposite number to be poorly don't they so they can do an extra show i did (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure they're putting things in their drink please be poorly go give them a bug or something and sometimes i think the younger children are actually better 
I think there's certainly an age that the children grow out of um, being mm. a babe in panto. Mm. I don't know what you think, but I think by 11, 12, it, I agree. They don't fit in. Also, I don't fit in. for me, you know, my body was changing at 11. And Absolutely. just for me, I was starting to get uncomfortable with changing in front of other people. So for me, definitely 8, 9, 10. Especially that's eight about, and nine, just brilliant, just fabulous. Yeah, that's the perfect age. You're, yeah. you're absolutely right. And I think because they do treat the children like the babes, don't mm. they, in the pantomimes? You know, and it's great that they're spoiled and everything else. But actually by 11, you kind of want to be a bit more grown up. Mm. And you've you've gone past that stage of being a, a little girl. And mm. you're somewhere between a little girl and a teenager, aren't you? Mm. And um, there's definitely that age where I think, you know, that's time for them to stop. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's a wonderful experience it for the really children is. to see how it works and professionally, it's it's an experience like no other. It stayed in my heart forever. You know, those memories I have oh. of hearing Bernadette Nolan just sing to herself when she was walking down the stairs before she was going onto stage, and yeah. her um, with Bobby Ball and Tommy Cannon playing water pistol fights backstage. You know, those <laughs> lovely memories. Yeah, are just ab- absolutely wonderful. It's something that you can't really replace, isn't it, with anything else. There's nothing else you can think of. You think, as far as an experience goes, for mm. that sort of age child, I mean, it's huge. Mm. I mean, they've got to be the right sort of child, without a doubt. You know, it's no good having someone that's going to fall to bits. But again, I think it's just teaching these children that it's all right to mess up. Yeah. You know, it, it's okay. And I think that's what's missing nowadays in life. It's mm. all right to mess up. Absolutely. In fact, it's quite a good thing because mm. you actually gain confidence from messing up. The world doesn't end because you miss a step or because you run off the wrong way or if you fall over. Um, that comes back to Miss Lane, doesn't it? Don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah, and, you know, the show goes on and people who Absolutely. are at the top of their game make mistakes on stage, go of wrong, course. forget their lines, trip up, and it doesn't matter. No, it really doesn't and I think, again, it's getting past that fear, especially, I mean, Panto, you can get away with it. But getting past that fear of, it doesn't, you know, what if I fall over? It doesn't matter. Um, get up. <laughs> Carry on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if your dress falls off, just keep going. And I think it's a really, really massive learning experience for the, the children. And I think that prepares them well for, for all sorts of things. It, it's getting past that fear of it just... The world's not going to end. The sun is still going to come up tomorrow, you know. And uh, I think if you can get that from kids, then I think it's, it, again, even if they never have a career in the arts, it's, um, it's a wonderful grounding just for life, mm. I think. My skirt fell down <laughs> in um, Babes in the Woods, so I was eight. And I... That, do you know what? I've told the children about this story and I never knew that was you <laughs> when it literally fell down and you stepped out of it. No, I didn't step out of it. What I did, we were doing a step kick, step, and it fell down. I pulled it up, put my hands on my hips to keep it held up and I just kept doing the dance. <laughs> oh, good for you. <laughs> but this is it, but you remember that, don't you? And you're, you oh, I definitely had one where the skirt fell all the way to the floor. And she did just step out of it and carried on. <laughs> well, you know, speaking from someone whose skirt fell down, safety pins <laughs> were for the rest of the run. I kept saying, I have got a double pin in. Yes, Shireen, you've got a double pin in. Okay, okay. They're like, okay. it's not going to happen oh, again. Don't they worry. They not children or animals, don't they? Right. We had both. We had horses, <laughs> children. Oh. You've had your dance school for 26 years this coming September. 
Has the dance landscape changed? Are there more boys in your classes now? Are there more yes. opportunities for young people to go on and pursue dance careers or are there are there fewer? That's a really tricky question because, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely more boys. The, the stigma has definitely eased on boys coming, although you still get the odd few who, who you sort of mum sort of enrolls them and dad doesn't know, you know. <laughs> but, um, see, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that more children do I think when I was at school only two from the whole school did dance whereas now I think it's quite a, you know it's a common hobby are there more opportunities no <laughs> I think is the short answer to that Shireen um, which actually makes the industry all that much harder because there are so many out there and I think it's a real tough one I, I try to keep the kids really grounded but I think we live in an age where they believe that they can just be anything they want to be and, you know, although I don't disagree with aiming for you can do anything you want, darling, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to be a singer if you if you can't sing. And we do live in an age where they just sort of waltz in at 13 and go, I think I think I'll be a dancer. And of course, they're not going to be. They're not going to be. But you do get many, you know, many more that do it as a hobby. You get lots of them out at school and at college, of course. Um, does it lead on to professional jobs? Generally not. I was sad to say, um, you know, taking a GCSE dance and an A-level in dance in our ever paper-filled world. And it's very, very, I find it quite challenging now trying to make the children and parents understand that, yeah, we do live in a paper world, but that piece of paper is not going to get you onto a stage. And it's still very few that go off to college, even though there's more colleges out there um, for them to go and train in the arts, you know, sort of from 16 generally it's 18 now they go at 18 because of the funding situation which is just diabolical um but even then i've i mean i've had some really talented girls go off to the top colleges three years training and they've never worked professionally it's uh it, you know it's a really tough industry because there are so many of them now so in a way i'd nearly say it, it was tougher than, than when i was uh, younger because there are so many of them it's heartbreaking when I see these girls that have trained and come out of college professional college mm. some of the top colleges as well Lane Theatre Arts or Doreen Bird where they've really got the top-notch training and they just can't get a job um, I think choreographers and producers it's very tempting to keep using the same cast which again you kind of understand you know if, if someone works well and you know you know what their capabilities are you know, it makes sense to re-employ them for your next show. Or you can have something in your head. That person would be perfect for this, which, again, just makes it more difficult. But then if you love it, you'll do it. I'm a real believer in that. If it's something that burns inside you, then you know what? Even if you never get a job professionally, then you can never look back and say, well, I didn't give it my best shot. But I always say to the kids, you know, if you don't get a job, it's not you. It's not necessarily a, re a reflection on your talent. That's the industry. And I think... As long as their eyes are open to that. It's been four months since lockdown, since you had to put pause on the dance school. How have you been? How are things? Yes. Um, I'm absolutely, I'm fine. Um, I'm busying myself with bits and pieces. Uh, the first few weeks I found tough. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I came home and it was very, I think it was the... the the emotional distress seeing the children 
who it was like the last thing they had on that awful last week and then to have that taken away it, it was I find that, that I don't like to see children distressed um, and to have to say to them actually that's the end of your lessons I, you know I found the first few weeks really quite tough and I'm sure the children did as the months have gone on I mean there, there's a few where I've spoken to some of the parents via email and I think all of us you know you get so far down the line and you just have to deal with it and Children are very good at adapting, and uh, from what I've heard, most of them have. They're doing classes at home. They do a bit at home and they dance around the house. Me, myself, um, I mean, we have been blessed with weather, to be fair. Uh, the weather's been amazing. I have enjoyed having a rest, but I have done some dancing on my own. <laughs> I've actually cleared out my spare room. I have my ballet bar. I get on YouTube. In fact, I put on one of the Royal Ballet School's uh, World Ballet Day. Oh, my goodness. So I've done this ballet ballet bar on my own, really enjoyed it, lost myself in the music, and the next day could barely get up the stairs. <laughs> that will teach me. So, but e- even now, yeah, I think I cope because I still do my bit, you right. know, and uh, I will go up to my room and just ballet bar just to lose myself there for an hour. Yeah, that it's sounds good. wonderful. And then- It is, and, and I'd love to go back, but I think... Again, I was listening to your Michael Rose um, podcast earlier. And, yeah, I mean, it's so difficult because things are starting to open. But realistically, it's made it near on impossible to go back um, to half what, you know, the numbers you have in a class. One of my studios is quite small, you know, to half the numbers that you have and then leave all this space in between each class to, like, mop things down. Um, social distancing is just it's not dancing there's no fun there the same as teaching via Zoom it, it's been okay for a few months but the kids will tell you you know it's not great they can't sort of really move because they haven't got the space at home you haven't got that personal interaction um, the older kids say yeah no you need the feedback and yeah it's um, it's been a real a real tough one on the arts industry I think all of this I think I knew on week one that the arts industry was probably going to suffer the most and I think they have I think we have suffered the most and getting back is nearly impossible I just hope that there's an industry left by next year and are you hopeful that you can reopen in some capacity in September I don't think I'll be opening in September simply because again the guidelines that have come out and I know that, they, you know, they put together this task force. They had people from our industry, right, you know, and they really spoke up for the local dance school. You know, um, the ISCD I'm affiliated with, they sent out the letter that they had written into the government, you know, really taking everything on board, like leisure centre classes, local halls. And it's just not, it's just not going to be possible because with social distancing, the bottom line is you have to half your class numbers. And in some cases, more than half. We haven't got studios the size of a football pitch. You know, if only. And the minute you take those class numbers right down to what would work for social distancing, especially then if you're paying rent on that hall, you know, financially it's not possible. It just, it's not feasible. I know the government have worked really hard. You know, I know they're really, really trying, but I've heard of dance teachers they're out there dancing on fields right mm. now, which fair play to them, good for them. But, you know, you can't do a ballet class on a field. 
And uh, I will only be able to open once social distancing is eased. But yeah, I realistically, I think it's more realistic to say it's probably going to be January. Well, fingers crossed. And I'm Lindsay. lucky I've got a husband who works. Oh, ab- absolutely. Really um, is. Lindsay, you mentioned that you've been keeping yourself busy during lockdown. How do you relax? I like to swim. I've always loved to swim. I've been really, really brave. I've been down to the seaside, down to the beach. In I get. Oh, and actually, it's a really good workout because, of course, you've got the tide against you one way. So I've started swimming now. I mean, again, we're blessed with the weather, but I've started to swim down at the beach. I do that. Uh, I've actually tidied my garden and started growing a few runner beans and strawberries. Oh, wow, <laughs> lovely. Um, but swimming is definitely a me time thing. That's what I really love to do. So even for me to have my swimming pool taken away, it's been horrible. And, you know, I've always been quite happy in my own company. I'm quite happy pottering around the house. I also play a few instruments, you know, I, again, not very well. But so I sit down, I might play my guitar. I like astrology. So I've been out with my telescope in the middle of the forest. So you know, I've got my few things that I enjoy to do as well. Most definitely. Amazing. Most definitely. Amazing. And just lastly, who would you say has been the biggest influence on you? Oh, I think as far as actual influence, I would have to say Julia. Julia Chittenden, definitely from a young age, um, is someone who I just, I think because as an adult, I know her on a different level. Uh, I absolutely can see that as scary as she looked when we were children, that she's got this wonderful way of handling herself and, and demanding that respect, but without demanding it. Um, and her meticulous ways, I mean, it was just, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's had a huge influence on how I run my school now. Without, I always say, question, what would Julia do? <laughs> Whenever I feel out of my debt, how would Julia deal with this? And I, I, yeah, huge influence. And some of my teachers at college, I think, have been a massive, that some of them, I, I, I can see, I can see them in me when I'm teaching, <laughs> um, without a doubt. So some of them, but I'd say overall, it is probably Julia. That was Lindsay Shelley, owner of Lindsay Reed School of Dance in Hampshire. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes from your preferred podcast provider and follow me on Twitter at Shireen Jordan and on Instagram at Shireen R. Jordan.